Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. I wonder if they're going to follow the book series or not. I didn't know there was a book series. Well, there may be an example in this week's discussion of people who decided to stick truer to the books and <laughs> were less successful I, than their predecessor. I, I think... All right, fuck well, it. we'll let's, get let's it. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. <laughs> I was going to say, true, 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 true to the book. Yeah, I was going to say, true, true to the books is anathema. That is that is not correct. I have no idea what. I've never read any of the Oz books. It, it isn't. I, I just have heard that it's based on the books. Well, it it is. All right. Kind well, of. In a no, no tell like us all about Return to Oz. Okay, so Return wait, to wait, Oz. Wait, wait. nicer about it than you're going to be because it creeps me the fuck out. <laughs> I don't want to be scared for the rest of the podcast. So <laughs> calm down your language from what you were about to say. So, so Return to Oz uh, has uh, Dorothy Gale, who's <laughs> now thinks she's nuts and sends her off to get electroshock <laughs> treatment because Jesus fuck, it. like shit gets dark. Shit's dark in this movie. Can, <laughs> can, we, can, yeah, we, can we can we clarify right off the bat why does she send her for electroshock therapy? Because in her in her PTSD state, she's not capable of of helping on the farm. So, like, we got to get you to some electroshock therapy so you can get back to work on the farm. That's the stated logic within the film. Mm. Yeah, yep. she won't she won't sleep, uh, and then she's up all night and can't help out in the morning. Yeah, so so the movie literally starts with Aunt M taking uh, Dorothy to. Uh, uh, not the, not the most horrible sanitarium I've ever seen in my entire life, but something that you would very much expect to see at the beginning of a Lovecraft movie. Yeah, <laughs> with the really nice downstairs, and they're like, we'll just take her up this stairs to the nightmare level of the hospital. <laughs> yeah, let's just put you in this unadorned beige room <laughs> with a tiny window, like a prison. Uh, so... Uh, in this case, Dorothy and another girl manage to escape during a powder outage caused by a large storm. Uh, they get into a river and are swept away. Dorothy to the magical land of Oz. The other girl, I'm assuming, to her death. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's dead. Because <laughs> I don't think they ever, uh, at the end of the movie, they don't wrap that character up. That character's just... Uh, it's a bit complicated. It depends on the dist- interpretation of the events. Yeah, disturbingly <laughs> absent. Yeah. She's dead. A uh, small, small child is dead. That's, that's what you're trying to say. Yes. Yes. A small child is dead. Uh, although she gets to be a princess in, in what we can only assume, judging by the way the film treats it, Dorothy's uh, – she lives on in Dorothy's disturbing delusions of a <laughs> nightmare world. <laughs> but <laughs> – 
so from there, the plot gets a little complicated. So Dorothy, <laughs> Dorothy arrives in Oz. Somehow she's got her chicken from the farm. That's kind of weird, but sure. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, yeah they're just there. Yeah, the it's, chicken's just there now. Uh, it's, it's from the one of the. Talk it's, because of us. Yeah, it is from one of the books, but the explanation in the movie doesn't really tell us why. There is no explanation in the movie. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, the, having the chicken with her is fine, but the fact that like we know that the chicken was on the farm and now the chicken's with her in Oz uh, only only serves to further ingrain the fact that I. This movie leans heavily on the side of Dorothy's actually a crazy person. Uh, so they arrive in the desert of death, uh, the desert where if you touch the sand, you become sand and die. Deadly uh, desert. We get a good. The, the deadly desert, deadly desert. Um, she's being stalked by faces on rocks, which are. The evil gnomes who are servants of the gnome king. We're 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 drifting over a lot of stuff here that we're gonna have to come back to. Oh, we'll get back to it. All right. There's <laughs> lots to unpack uh, in this she, movie. She, so uh, we get a little bit of whimsy as she uh, steals a couple lunch pails from a lunch pail tree and gets a delicious ham sandwich of. <laughs> Of disturbing origin and and questionable uh, edibility from the the tree. So uh, is she joins up with do we TikTok. think do we think the lunch pail tree is like a a Venus flytrap sort of thing where like a pig will wander by and it'll just like ensnare it in its roots and then it creates ham sandwiches. I, 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 well, I do now. <laughs> <laughs> that that sounds exactly like what would happen in this twisted nightmare version of Oz. That sounds like the most pleasant thing that would happen in this version of Oz. That pig is lucky as hell to get to do a ham sandwich rather than to live through the nightmare that is the rest of this movie. But so, go on. <laughs> yeah, so she's she's accosted by the wheelers, which can only be described as uh, brightly colored Cirque du Soleil a- actors that were thrown into a nightmarish blender from hell and <laughs> created <laughs> into the very things that destroy children's dreams. Uh, <laughs> they are unpleasant, and they all sort of sound like Bobcat uh, Goldthwait from the from this era. All kind of sound <laughs> a little yeah, bit, yeah, accurate. <laughs> only adding, only adding to their menace. Uh, <laughs> She meets up with TikTok, the army of Oz, who is a clockwork man uh, who needs to be wound up and his various functions need to be wound separately because Mm -hmm. reasons. Uh, Then from there, we're introduced to one of the main villains in uh, the evil Queen Mumby. Uh, In the book, she's the evil witch Mumby, but Mm. I don't know. Same thing. Nice that she she got a promotion. Yeah. So uh, who is, once again, a uh, nightmarish creature that can apparently steal other people's heads and then use them as decorative uh, prosthesis for her her machinations. Times like this, I wish this film had a lower budget so the effects wouldn't have been so good. Because, goddamn, it was fucked up watching her take heads off a shelf. Just (laughs) try them on. No, not this one today. And put on one. 
what yeah. the fuck? True, true, true story. A lot of that, if you had seen this on TV on the Disney Channel, the Disney Channel heavily. Good. That's yeah. the right decision. <laughs> uh, Mumby locks, Mumby locks uh, Dorothy and TikTok in, in a tower. Well, no, I guess TikTok's downstairs. But either way, Dorothy goes to the tower. She's introduced to Jack Pumpkinhead, who is uh, much like the Scarecrow, another animated Scarecrow. I mean, that's literally yeah, what he was but built to do. But he has a pumpkin was... head instead of a sack head. And he made it by Tim Burton, so he's creepy as fuck. <laughs> Indeed. And insists on calling Dorothy mom for a movie, which just upset me to no end. <laughs> yeah, correct. Uh, so they steal the magical powder of life and a few other things things uh creating the horrible chimera that is the gump uh, <laughs> which is basically two couches palm leaves a gump's head and a broom shoved up its uh couch ass <laughs> that is then brought to life <laughs> and instead of shrieking kill me like it should flies them away uh this is also the scene where we get to see one of the wheels all into the desert of death and, and die. It's horrible sandy death, which, uh, of all the things in the movie, that's the thing that fucking haunts my dreams. That is sure. Oh my, it's so brief too. It's, I, I timed it. It's like a 20 seconds scene. It goes by so fast. You're like, ah! <laughs> you know what the thing is? Like, and like, we'll get into this full discussion, but it's Right. If, no, if this really were not. like a really dark, creepy horror movie, we'd all talk about how good a scene that is. But this is a fucking Disney movie. It's a sequel to The Wizard of Oz. Oh, we will we will get back to that. No. But it's a good movie. I didn't. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, so so the Gump flies them. They crash into a mountain, which turns out to be the home of the Gnome King. Uh, he offers. Apparently, he kidnapped the Scarecrow whenever he destroyed Oz. Uh, and and he has turned the scarecrow into knickknacks because that is his preferred method of dispatching his foes, <laughs> turning them into knickknacks in his knickknack room. Uh, mm -hmm. Each person's going to get three guesses. They touch the thing. They say, "Oz," if it's their friend. They come back if they get three wrong. Uh, what he doesn't bother to tell them is that they get turned into a knickknack. <laughs> Yeah, it turns out a he bunch of losses over that. It's the the terms and conditions of the contract. Just just <laughs> click okay, you'll be fine. Uh, apparently, most of his powers are actually derived from dun 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 the ruby slippers that Dorothy uh, lost as she was heading home. So basically, all of this is Dorothy's fault for being awful. <laughs> um, You're not wrong. <laughs> She just I mean, lost her shoes. She's a child. She lost her shoes. She she destroyed an entire civilization. But she didn't. She just lost her shoes. She didn't know those were going to be the consequences. <laughs> and she lost her shoes after murdering a witch. Well, she yeah, okay. the first witch. Which arguably, Mumby's acting in self defense. Dorothy fucking murdered the last witch. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, you could argue she ordered. Two of two of the last three witches she encountered, really. Right. Yeah. And that's well, that's the friendly version of the story. Well, she uh, didn't kill. She didn't kill Glinda. She spared her life. So it it turns out with the Gnome King that uh, 
if he can get basically everyone who knows about Oz to forget about Oz, it will allow him to become human. And then because he has the slippers, he'll be all powerful, which arguably I think it's one of the best done things in the movie. The fact that like slowly he's becoming more human. Mm -hmm. And, and I think especially as a child, you wouldn't notice it at first that he slowly. You would just be having nightmares for two weeks after you watched the movie and not understanding why. <laughs> yeah, and then eventually right. you would remember and be like, oh, shit, he was becoming more human. Yep. Uh, so Dorothy and her friends luckily solve the riddle, which is uh, green things come from Oz. So, I, I mean, I guess the Gnome King, out of sure. pettiness for them stealing his emeralds, decides to turn everyone from Oz green. Yeah, uh, he gets all angry and turns into a giant claymation murder monster mountain. Mm-hmm. Uh, luckily, he attempts to eat Jack, who secretly has the chicken hidden in his head. Chicken, <laughs> out of fear, shits an egg into the <laughs> gnome king's mouth, and we find out the reason why they've been talking about chickens the whole movie is that eggs are poison to gnomes. So they. So Dor- basically, Dorothy assists in the murder of yet another mythical being <laughs> in the land of Oz. Yeah. The mythical being that at the end of the day, the entire Emerald City was made up of his emeralds that were stolen from him. And that's why he's angry. <laughs> and his punishment for that is that she- he's murdered by Egg. Yeah. yeah. So te- technically, Gnome King's kind of right. Like a little bit. He's got He's got a solid argument. Like yeah. in a different movie he would be the representative of like the native culture that was raped and pillaged. (laughs) And it's like, okay, he's got an argument. Should he be doing the things he's doing in response? There's a second debate to be had. Okay. Murder him with an egg. Yeah. And of course we get the resolution. Everybody's happy, blah, 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 magical Oz. And then Dorothy of course comes back to the real world after the credits roll, I'm assuming that her aunt and uncle lock her in a basement or something and start feeding her fish heads because they <laughs> well, just think she like. <laughs> Quite frankly, at this point, that's where she belongs. Every time she's allowed out, she murders so many people. <laughs> well, the, the good news is everyone thinks all the people she murdered are imaginary, except for that poor blonde girl. <laughs> who she's yeah. going to tell everyone that she's a princess now. She's a princess in my magic land. She's not, she's oh, not dead. Oh, she's a princess, girl, idiots. Yeah, that girl is going to a fucking sanitarium. She's done. Uh, yeah. So have you guys read any of the books? Neither of you? No. No, but I've read uh, sort of the difference between what this movie is based off of and how they sort of combine two books together to sort of make this movie I mean, it's more like three or four. They really smashed a lot of books together to make this work. Uh, Apparently trying to protect the rights when they made this movie. Right. They're like, we got to use up as much from the books as we can. The biggest, most important, and most confusing fucking thing about this movie is, so this movie is not a sequel to the movie The Wizard of Oz, right? But it is, though. It's called this, Return to Oz. It's I, got Dorothy well, in yeah, it. I, I it know. Is. Yeah. No, this this movie is a sequel to the book that the movie, <laughs> The Wizard of Oz, was based on, which is the, the marvelous land of Oz, right? Nobody was going to know that in 1985. No, no, yes. No, they, they made no fucking attempt to explain that to anybody. 
and I have no idea who made that fucking decision. Who who was like, well, uh, we're just face it, like it, going off the book instead of going off the movie, and that doesn't uh, make fucking sense. Well, here we go. I because I, I was reading about this before we started, and apparently that was Disney's call was to uh, release it as a sequel to the original movie. The director, that was not his choice while he was making the movie, which is why all of the original characters look way more like the illustrations from the book than they do from the original movie. And the one thing that makes it more of a sequel to the movie is the Ruby Slippers because the Ruby Slippers don't actually exist in the books. They were a pair of silver slippers... And since they were making the original movie in the 1938, they wanted something that was going to pop since they were doing the black and white to color thing. So they made them Ruby slippers instead. And Disney actually had to pay licensing fees to use the Ruby slippers in this movie. That's funny. So, so the other thing, so the book that contains the characters, Mombi and uh, Jack, uh, Jack Pumpkinhead. Dorothy isn't in that book. It is yeah. a boy, and I I can't remember what his name is. Toby, maybe something like that. Yeah, it's it's either Toby or Timmy. I know it's a T name. Uh, and and his battle with the the horrible witch Mombi, and then Dorothy comes back in the book after that. And uh, oh, what is it? The Gnome Kings from like three books after that. And it's it's like I said, they they really jammed a whole bunch of different books together and basically completely pulled the character of Toby out and replaced him with Dorothy and and added all the the electroshock stuff because, yeah, (laughs) they were they were like, you know what? Not fucked up enough. Too much whimsy. No, they were were... that whimsy down and jack up that terror. In the opening part of this movie, it is literally like we don't want kids to be too creeped out when the creepy pumpkin man and the giant mountains start trying to eat people. So let's make sure they're crying real early by taking our hero character and giving her electroshock therapy like five <laughs> minutes into the movie. Like right away. It's just like oh, she's upset about the things that happened in the last movie. Let's shoot electricity into her brain. That'll fix it. Yeah, I was going to say that now the the fucked up thing is a lot of the things that you're like, I don't get why they made this up for this story are actually things that are in the book. <laughs> like, sure. Yeah. Like the gump, the gump being two couches strapped together mm-hmm. with palm fronds and a fucking mutant deer head. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's 100 percent in there. Don't get me wrong. As I was watching the movie, I remember thinking, well, I'm not letting my kid read these books ever. Like, I'm not letting (laughs) – children shouldn't be near this at all. That's the problem. It's not so much that the movie is – there's anything wrong with it except that it's a kid's movie. And I can't conceive of showing this to a child. Now I I understand why my grandmother was so upset when she took me and my sister to see it as kids. Oh, sequel sequel to Wizard of Oz. This will be great. What the fuck? Like, my grandfather was the one that always took me and my brother to movies, and he would take, like, I'm sure I've mentioned plenty of movies on this podcast that I saw at too young of an age because he would just take us to whatever we wanted. 
I'm pretty sure that's the only time my grandmother went to the movie theater with us as kids. <laughs> and she probably thought, because it was a sequel to Wizard of Oz, that it was just okay. <laughs> I can't even imagine what happened in her head while she was watching this happen. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, and so it, it all gets bonkers because so the canon of uh, Frank Baum's work is really fucking complicated. It's like Star Wars kind of shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's like I can't, 10 books or something like that. There's a lot that he wrote. Then there's ones that someone else wrote on his behalf from his notes after he died. Those are canon. There's like three or four different musicals that he wrote and like produced the musicals and their canon. And then in addition to it all, now there's all this cluster fuck of new shit that's side canon, like Wicked and all that kind of stuff. And and there's another new book series that the Frank Bob estate has canonized those now. So now there's this weird offset, another set of books that are all canon. Basically, yeah. all this shit is bonkers, man. We should uh, point out that Dorothy is somehow regressed in age by about six years in between movies yeah it's really noticeable how much younger she is and i assume that's just to make her torture more horrific because <laughs> if she was like she was like 16 17 in the first movie so if you aged her up she's like almost an adult now six months because this is supposed to be six months after the events of the last movie mm-hmm. and so i'm like okay she's almost an adult but really she's like 12 in this 10 12 i don't know how old the actress was exactly but uh, it's around Fr- there fruza balk famously from the craft plays dorothy yeah. in this she was 10 years old whereas judy okay. garland was 16 when she played dorothy and and that's and they both look their ages right yeah. so it's it's very obvious that she's much younger in this movie which well, i guess fruza balk was also on way less drugs well yes at this point, yes. Overall, point. I think there's a debate to be had. <laughs> Let's, that's not what we're here to discuss. Um, no, but I mean, I guess because they were trying to differentiate this from the first movie, they made her younger, but it really just seems ends up like a National Lampoon's Vacation type scenario where you're just like, all right, she's just a different age in this one because it's still very much – well. This, I don't care what anyone says. This is a, a direct sequel to The Wizard of Oz. And the fact that they made it all fucked up and cast her too young and stuff doesn't change any of that. Like Anybody watching this would know it was a sequel to The Wizard of Oz. I was going to say, and I think part of the problem is, so the original one, even though, you know, the actress is 16, in those movies, I think it, technically Dorothy might have been the same age and they just expected you to fucking accept that because it was... Yeah. But they don't. It's just the way they did shit back then. They didn't give two fucks. They were like, put her in pigtails. She's a child. <laughs> I guess to some extent that's true, but it's not like there's anything in that movie that makes her seem that young. No. I haven't seen The Wizard of Oz in a while, but. Yeah. There's no reason why that character can't be 16 or 17 in that movie. I think I was going to say there's another interesting thing about this movie, and that is you can differentiate two groups of distinct people by which Wizard of Oz movie they prefer. (laughs) Because I think if you go with a normie person, they're going to go, what the fuck is Return to Oz? I don't even know what that is. Well, yeah. And, And if you ask somebody like us, 
I would I would assume I I can't speak for you guys obviously, but if I had to watch one of the two movies, I'm watching this one because I oh, of course I, I fucking yeah. love Return to Us. <laughs> no, like I haven't seen. I don't think I've seen this movie since theaters, and I'm watching it now. Oh Jesus! And go like honestly, it was more disturbing than I expected it to be, but better than I expected it to be. <laughs> oh my god. Time. The f- the fucking visuals in this movie are amazing. Like this, the just I don't know everything. Even the uh, the electroshock machine, you know the way you know the <laughs> whole face and stuff and the noise it makes and just everything. Everything fucking looks so good. It's so weird. Like I, specifically, Scarecrow and what's his name, Pumpkinhead Jack, or whatever the fuck his name is. Yeah. yeah. Those two things are just like they're the nightmare fuel version of what <laughs> they could have been. It is as if they like the director hated children and wanted them to be crying and made them as creepy and scary as possible. No, as an adult watching this, that makes it more enjoyable for me. But I had to watch it after my kid went to bed. Like I, I live in a house with a child and I'm like, oh, he can't be down here while I watch this kid's movie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, the 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 um, characters in this are definitely designed off of the illustrations from the original book. Sure. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of why they look the way they do. Now, that still does come off creepy as shit. Uh, no, I- I'll, I'll tell you what the crazy one is. So, all through, you know, obviously there's been a million Wizard of Oz things. There's even like an anime version of Wizard of Oz. I don't know if you guys have seen those. Oh, Jesus. But but they're they're weird. Um, all the characters change a little bit. Like Scarecrow, what Scarecrow looks like changes from thing to thing to thing to thing. Mm, and sure. the Tin Woodsman changes from thing to thing to thing to thing. But Jack Pumpkinhead. If you look at anything, so so the books, the fucking stage productions, the animated stuff, the this movie, he looks the exact same in every fucking one, like the exact same. Because they nailed it. Kids yeah. were crying as soon as he showed up. There's like there's no reason to improve <laughs> on it then, right? It's, look at look at the kids are crying before he even says his first line of dialogue. Why do we even need to improve on this appearance? Just have him look like that all the time. His head is nice and hollow for the chicken to fit in where we need it to be. <laughs> for all the Mommy, why are they making a furniture chimera? God damn it! When he <laughs> when he insisted on calling Dorothy mom, I was like, like honestly, just like. I'm 41 years old. I'm in my basement and it was creeping me out. And I was like, (laughs) I actively said out loud at one point to my TV, like, stop calling her mom. Don't do it. She's a 10 year old girl. You're a creepy fucking evil pumpkin thing. (laughs) Stop calling her mom. It's not okay. It was upsetting me so much. I I can't remember. I can't remember in the book, but the stage production of this, he, he does call the little boy dad through the whole thing. (laughs) Okay. I also don't want that to happen. <laughs> like, you know, it, it was creeping me out in like the weird, like, like when you watch Cannibal Holocaust and you're like, oh, it's gross and it's weird, but I respect that they're trying to make me feel gross and weird and they're doing it well. And that's how I felt watching this movie. I'm like, I, I recognize that they want me to be creeped out by that and they're doing a good job because like, 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 congratulations, filmmakers, you're disturbing me in the way you wish to disturb me. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I felt a lot of unease watching this movie. Between the fucking rocks with the weird faces on them and the sand people and the just chick with the interchangeable heads. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> How was this a kid's movie? How is this not rated R? Honestly, like if this came out today, there's no way it's getting a PG rating. No way. Uh, probably PG-13 at least. At least, yeah. I don't, well, I don't know. There's no, there's no blood and there's no profanity. They they might be able to get a PG. I don't think uh, – I don't know. Man. Child endangerment? I, yeah. I don't think you would let children today watch this movie. I mean, I would let my children watch it. It would be perfectly fine. Uh, uh, I, of course, absolutely love this movie. I rented it like a billion times when I was younger. So, uh, so what do yeah, you think? It gets better. And, and the older I get, the more I like it. <laughs> yeah. So what oh, do you yeah. think, Doug, since you hadn't seen this since you were a kid? I mean, I mean, all the, all the things I've already said, um, <laughs> I found it, I found it very disturbing. Honestly, I, mm-hmm. the visuals were creepy as hell. Um, the, like the fact that they're giving a little girl electroshock therapy, like right at the beginning of the movie, right away, they're just like, it's been six months since she got back from Oz, and she can't work on the farm yet. So there's better shocker into, into health. I was, I found it very upsetting. However, I, I do think it's a really well made film. Like I, yeah. I liked watching it. Again, as a horror movie fan, more so than as like a, I think if I was looking for more of a family friendly movie, I'd be upset by this. But you know, I kind of had an idea of what I was going into. Where I remembered it being creepy, but everyone talks about the the are they the Wheelers or the Wheelies? Yeah, the Wheelers. Um, Wheelers. Like, they were almost the least disturbing part of this to me, because <laughs> at least they're objectively creepy. You know what I mean? Like they're these evil guys and they have wheels for hands and they're zipping around and you're like, okay, like they're the monsters of the movie, but like Pumpkinhead is supposed to be a good guy. <laughs> what? Why does he look like that then? He shouldn't look like that if he's a good guy in a kid's movie. He was always my favorite. He's, he looks like something out of like a, like a Halloween book that you would read to a child where it's like, it's supposed to be a little creepy, but he still has a smile on his face. So littlest kids won't be creeped out by it because they don't understand yet. That's what it reminded me of. <laughs> they don't know they should be scared. Exactly. That's again, like all really well done. But as an adult too watching it, I'm like like when they're flying around on the weird couch monster with the moose head, whatever that mm. thing was called. Dump. And it's like Dump. It's not okay. First of all, it falls apart. Now we know that we know for a fact that they've sprinkled that like uh, stuff on the, all the parts, so all those parts are alive individually, which is creepy as hell in and of itself. Yeah. So it means there's a couch cut, just running around. What I've around. always wondered is, yeah. do you think the Gump could feel it? Do you think he could feel his body <laughs> slowly tearing in half? <laughs> or when I mean, the probably. Uh, the Gnome King ate part of him? <laughs> yeah. Well, what about this? What about when? the gump's head is just sitting on the side of that mountain and they're like we'll put you back together and he's just like nah fuck it I've seen what this world has to offer and I'll just live on this mountain with no ability to move ever again for the rest of my existence like I'm just cool being a dark. Head. like that, that is a really dark thought when you think about it it's like I've seen what happens like you guys brought me to life I tried to fly couldn't do it fuck it I'll just live here now 
It's so upsetting. I'll just be a head on the side of a mountain. I, I've choose that life. <laughs> he didn't choose the gump life. The gump life chose him. James. Oh. Who thought that was okay to make that thing come come to life in a kid's movie? <laughs> Good lord. Um, I had a question. I completely forgot what it was. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I fucking love this movie. <laughs> I think it's, it's fantastic. It's extremely... Honestly, I really enjoyed watching it as an adult. I just... I'm so glad I didn't watch it with a child, because I don't want to answer all those questions. <laughs> <laughs> but even yeah. if we just... Can we just mention one more time that Dorothy watches her only friend drown in a river? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the girl that helped her escape from the mental institution. Wait, what's so weird about it, too, is that she wakes up and her chickens are she's like, hey, chicken, why are you here? And the chicken answers her and she's like, all right, you can talk. Let's just go with that. <laughs> We're all fine then. But right off the bat, too, when they get to Oz, one of the things that stuck out to me is so she's in like, is it a baby crib? that she's floating down the river in or something like that. And they get to Oz and the river dries up and she's like, oh no, we're in the sands of death or whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> desert of death. So she's like, Deadly okay, desert. I'm going to, I'll, okay. She's like, okay, chicken, I'll have to carry you and I'll stand on the rocks so that we can make it to safety. But right away, I'm like, first of all, we're just accepting that this small child is comfortable in the <laughs> desert of death. <laughs> Secondly, those rocks are like, it's not like there's not a bridge for her to walk across. She has to jump from rock to rock at any point in time. She could fall. Like she's legitimately in mortal peril. And it's like 10 minutes into the movie. <laughs> Once again, I think we've, we've established one of two things. Either <laughs> Dorothy is a delusional schizophrenic or She's a stone-cold sociopath that has murdered multiple people. I don't think I, there's an or. I think there's an and option that you're just... There's ignoring. an and option. Either way, you don't give no fuck about that desert. Because, look, I'm just going to point out, the farm they used to live on, there's a lot of, like, farmhands and stuff. All those guys are gone. What happened to them? <laughs> Auntie, Auntie M and uh, Uncle What's-His-Face, they get up the next day. There's just a note. I can't do this anymore. I'm taking off on my own. Right. Well, because... Definitely wasn't we, killed and buried in the field. Right. We sort we're, of, we're missing out the fact that this is actually the third movie in the series. The second one was The Bad Seed. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what else, though? You know what we skipped over is the fact that the Uncle character is like so depressed and broken up by the events of the first film that he's like pretending to have a broken leg so that he doesn't have to continue building a home for his family. <laughs> we skipped over that because that was too fun and happy to bother including in our plot description. And, and the fact that they decided to build that home end to end instead of like bottom up. The way you build a fucking house? Yeah. What the fuck? They built one room and roofed that part, and then they were like, fuck it, the rest of it's frame. <laughs> it's, it's definitely not the best from an architectural standpoint, but, uh, you know, it was a different time. People had different skills back then. <laughs> it's, 
Is there anything in the movie that you guys didn't find disturbing? Um, well, I mean, there's there's Ozma. That's not. Oh wait, she was she was banished and hidden in a mirror world. So yeah, yeah, was, yeah. They had trapped trapped in a mirror world, and remember, little girl probably mirror. dead. Yeah. <laughs> the real ver- version of her was dead, and the other version of her was in the same uh, prison as. Uh, Zod, so that's fine. Let's see. Uh, there's there's Mombi's beautiful dresses. Oh no, wait! They're giant, horrible metal porcupine dresses of death. Yeah. So that's a no. Uh, uh, Mombi treats the wheelers correctly. Oh wait, no, she uses them as like dog sled dogs <laughs> to like pull her across the Oz. Is it weird that every time I see that movie, it, for some reason, her Riding in the chariot behind the wheelers blends together with Beastmaster in the scene of the uh, <laughs> the the leather faced dudes running down the hallway Jesus. for some reason. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> you just made this movie worse. That's what you just did there. <laughs> so now there's a BDSM element to that scene that I did not picture before. Which we should also point out that. Uh... So she's been she's been back home for six months, mm-hmm. and so apparently in the six month time, like the Emerald City has been like completely destroyed, and yep. fucking yellow brick roads been torn up, and yep. everything looks like it's like a hundred years old. Everyone's been turned to stone, and all the sexy ladies have had their heads pulled off. <laughs> Did anybody else kind of anticipate, by the way, this is a bit of a side note, but at the end, when everybody started coming back to life, I sort of thought they were going to clip those ladies dancing and their bodies would just collapse headless. (laughs) Just a blood blood spray. (laughs) That's what I thought was going to happen. And then they had heads on and I'm like, I I guess it's a kid's movie. You can't have that many headless people, but I guess it's a kid's movie. Couldn't tell. <laughs> but like this is a kids movie the way like a nightmare before christmas is a kids movie where you're like it is but not really though it's made for adults to enjoy right it's yeah. it's a kid it's a kids movie in the same way that gremlins is a kids movie <laughs> this is way more disturbing than gremlins i'd agree with that I, no i would accept that <laughs> yeah like <laughs> Maybe Mr. Boogity? It's a kid's movie in the way Mr. Boogity's a kid's movie. I will watch Mr. Boogity by next week and have an answer for that because I've been looking for an excuse to watch that movie. <laughs> I mean, once again, I, there's this whole thing of, man, when Disney goes dark, Disney goes real fucking dark. It seems to be this one little time period where they're just like – Maybe if we give kids disturbing thoughts, then in the future they'll want to watch our new – like they were planning already the, the purchase of Dimension back then. <laughs> they were just like, <laughs> we really need to find a way to get them fucked up enough to watch – to want a whole bunch of Hellraiser sequels. So we'll just screw them up at a young age. Yeah, and I mean I don't think this was too far off the time of when The Black Cauldron was made and that one like – Parents were literally like filing complaints against the company because they took their kids to see the black culture. And they were like, the bad guy at the end is basically melted into a skeleton in a Satan culture. And like, what the fuck, Disney? Man, Disney used to be awesome. (laughs) 
Uh, Bob Iger stepped down this week. Maybe they'll go back to this stuff now. Maybe. Maybe that's what we're going to get. <laughs> the new CEO is going to be like, guess what? Return to Oz sequel. It's, it's a Disney Plus series now. <laughs> Feruza Balk's coming back as Dorothy. A very methed out Dorothy. <laughs> Fuck, I hope so. <laughs> She's like in rehab, like uh-huh. <laughs> Oz was I just didn't like... even think I didn't even think about that. That's fucking I, I want that. I want that. <laughs> Expe- you know, with the fucking making the banana splits horror movie and shit. Fuck, fuck yeah. Just go go full bore. Make a rated R fucking Oz sequel with Bruce Balk back as Dorothy and just chainsawing her way through Oz. She's really pissed off because the scarecrow never came to get her out of uh, the mental asylum she's been in. Right. She's she been just starts tearing shit up. It's for the last 30 years. <laughs> the problem is this movie cuts it a little close and the version you're describing would cross that line and it would end with like Dorothy just finished killing like the evil rock queen or whatever. And then it would fade to black and white. And it would just be her standing over the body of her aunt with a chainsaw on her hand. <laughs> Something like, it, it ends, it ends with her in a horse stable feeding hay to horses and it slowly pans out and there's just an empty set of clothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I want to do that. That sounds great, actually. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm going to assume we're all going to do a big thumbs up for Return to Us. Oh, yeah. Like, everything we're saying is positive. It's just weird because it's a fucking sequel to The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the one thing we didn't bring up, so the, the claymation uh, gnome faces that they basically yeah. project onto rock surfaces in this yeah. is fucking, it still looks good. It's phenomenal. It's great. Yeah. And it's it's that right level of, like, creepy and weird where the, every time you see it, you're like, that rock's not alive, but that rock's kind of alive. Like it's something is fucked up and you don't know what it is and you get thinking about it. And then at the end, when they kind of explain that that's been this gnome king the whole time, like spying on them, you're like, okay, it's all making sense now. She has Ish. a chicken. A chicken. <laughs> oh, chicken. <laughs> it was pretty funny the way they got all upset about the chicken all the time, but I didn't know. I legit couldn't remember why. And when that chicken laid an egg in the guy's mouth, I'm like, yeah, they'll show him. <laughs> I knew the egg was going to be problematic as soon as it came out of that chicken's ass and fell into that giant mountain's throat. You know, in our in our random uh, Dorothy sequel, all I can imagine now is you see Feruza Balk and like the first character sees her and they're like, oh, my God, it's the destroyer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so good. I just love the direction about how he has to tell him, like, she's got a chicken, and he knows. He's like, I'm going to get fucking yelled at. He's so <laughs> just like, she's got a uh, chicken. And then <laughs> as soon as the dude starts yelling, just the look on the other rock guy's face where he's just like, I know, I know. I'm sorry. It's not my fault. <laughs> Don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> um, Since I know it's sort of a sort of a trendy thing to do now. There is someone who is making a documentary called Remembering Return to Oz, all about the making of the movie. 
Nice. And uh, they, you know, I think they've got interviews with pretty much all of the big people involved. So if you're a big fan of Return to Oz, it's definitely something to uh, keep an eye out for and you can relive all that stuff. Watch the shit out of that. Yeah. Sadly, I think this is the only movie that this director ever made. I he think did, he was, like, TV stuff after. Yeah, he did TV stuff because he was mainly known as an editor. And actually got fired from this movie, like, after, like, the first week. Um, because uh, Disney was not impressed with the dailies. But it turns what? out... <laughs> yeah. But it turns out he's, like, really good friends with, like, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. So he said, hey, guys, they uh, they fired me from this movie. Is there any way you could call them and help me out? And so Spielberg and Lucas both called and was like, come on. Don't fire him. Just let him see through. And Lucas even went to the point like, look, if if you find after like a month that you're not enjoying what he's doing, I'll come in and I'll direct the rest of the movie. So they're like, okay. And they let him come back. And apparently it was that's, it was all fine actually, after that. It's actually pretty fucking cool when you hear that's a good story. Yeah. I like that. And then they're like, let's let him finish it. And then, you know, they were all in a room and they were like, all right, finished product. Let's see this. And they watched it and they were like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you imagine that like it's probably like a bunch of CEOs and other like fucking executives. And they're just like, let's have our grandkids come in so we can see how they react. And then like halfway through, they're all leading the kids out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> Grandpa's not allowed to babysit anymore because he took the kid to work with him one day. <laughs> the kids are all crying. They're pulling them out into the lobby. The director's just standing there. And they're looking at him like, what did you do? Like, to put it in context, because I'm sure there's some people listening right now who still haven't rewatched the movie or have never seen it. It's like this movie was disturbing to children in the 80s. Imagine what it would do to kids now. <laughs> they're so soft. In the 80s, when fucking, like, Goonies and all that shit was considered kids' movies, Monster Squad was a kids' movie, despite its, like, constant inappropriate language. It's like, and then this just happened. <laughs> Could you imagine how children would have reacted? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, oh, my God. Like, if you just took a normie kid, like, to the movies yeah. and showed him this, like, oh. there would be lawsuits, probably. Yeah, like if I'm telling you that there's no way this gets a PG rating today. Like, no, PG 13 is the lowest it would get, and they'd have to fight for that. <laughs> like, if this movie were made today, it would simply not get released. That's what would happen. <laughs> I'm glad it exists. I, again, I enjoyed it. Everything I'm saying about it is a positive. <laughs> Just, it's so fucking weird that somebody thought this was a good idea. <laughs> Sadly, uh, no Blu-ray or anything for this movie. Just a DVD actually, and then streaming. I was surprised to even find out there was a DVD. Like, I no. I legitimately thought this was one of those, like, lost movies when Disney Plus came out. And I added this to the list, like, the day Disney Plus came out because I'm like, I need to rewatch that. And if my memory serves, it belongs on this show. <laughs> there are not a lot of Disney movies that belong on this this podcast. <laughs> I was a little surprised that it wasn't the uh, edited version because I was half expecting the Disney Plus one to be the cut down one. Okay. I, again, I wouldn't recognize the difference. So, 
Uh, it's not a lot of stuff. So the scene where the Wheeler falls into the sand and dies, that's cut out. The uh, scene where they're walking through the hallway that's filled with the disembodied heads. Yeah. Uh, that it's cut in a way that the only time you actually see the heads is in background shots that are on okay. Mumby Dorothy talking. I can't. You mean not the uh, terrifying scene where she grabs the the uh, whatever and then the main head wakes up and then all of the heads wake up and then there's just a hallway of screaming heads at her. She runs out of the room. <laughs> yeah, if I remember right, that's edited down to she grabs the keys and the eyes open on the original head and then she you see her turn to run and then it cuts to them in the room. <laughs> I can't imagine why. This is the second most disturbing hallway of disembodied uh, parts we've had on this podcast ever since that hallway of dicks from like episode one. <laughs> hallway <laughs> filled with toothy penises. <sighs> uh, yeah. Fantastic. So fucked up. I can't even imagine. I don't know if we can express enough how upsetting that scene is when that wheeler falls into the sand and we've been warned what's going to happen we've been told what's going to happen it's a bad guy that happens to and it it looks so good the effects are so good and i'm like how did they just turn that guy into sand and then he became part of that beach I was gonna and say, you see how much beach there is near how many people have fallen in i was gonna say it's not it's so him turning to sand is quick and you're like okay he turned to sand but then it does that that cut where it cuts right onto his face, which is sculpted immaculately, <laughs> and you just watch it collapse. Yeah, yeah, that's the oh, part. Jesus, all, fuck! All I kept thinking is like, how little sand was there when this desert started? And how many people have fallen into it? And why is it so big now? <laughs> yeah, she says it's huge. She says it surrounds Oz, so you can't get out of Oz at all. It's a fucking desert. Yeah, they jump rock to rock with it precarious distance between the rocks where you're like, I'm not sure if she's going to make it. Uh, what small if, what, child hero might die in the opening scenes. What if we got a crossover between this and Tremors? <laughs> Genius. <laughs> may, may his passing cleanse the world. <laughs> They're fucking doing just, like that. Just that. Dorothy riding shy Halud. <laughs> <laughs> They have to fucking do that pole vaulting maneuver, and if they accidentally touch the sand, they're like, ah, fuck. There goes Kevin Bacon. <sighs> they're all rooting for that annoying <laughs> kid in Tremors to get fall in the sand. <laughs> like, fucking kid's so annoying. I hope he falls in the sand. All yeah. I can imagine is adult Veruza uh, Bulk with the fucking the blue eyes. It's like, ah! <laughs> She's got crazy eyes to begin with. All I picture is Mr. Keaton shooting the sand, hoping he can kill it. <laughs> Get my elephant gun. <sighs> <sighs> All right, good times. Uh, I guess for another dose of stuff that's way too scary for kids to watch, I would argue not nearly as terrifying as this movie, but still not great. Is it's it's more terrifying the second one is more terrifying in the sense that you have to listen to what people say a little more to understand what's going on <laughs> uh why don't you tell us about the black hole Doug? uh let's see so there's a 
is it? So it's supposed to be a research vessel, I guess. Spaceship yeah. flying around. They uh, come across a black hole and they notice a a ship that is hovering precariously close to the black hole. So they move to try and uh, see what's going on. It turns out that's a ship that was lost years ago that had uh, conveniently one of the crew members on our current ship. Uh, her father was on the other ship, so they're going to try to get in closer. They get sucked in. Uh, they get damaged, I believe. It's due to the uh, the gravity of the black hole. Uh, they end up on the other ship where they find that the uh, the crew has been replaced entirely by robots and that the captain of the previous mission is... He's developed technology that allows him to hover close to the black hole without getting sucked in, and he's using the atmosphere to do various experiments, trying to invent things like... Was he was he trying to invent, like, sustainable energy? Is that what was going on there? Um, I don't remember. Seems right. that, uh, I, some, thought, I thought everything revolved around his endgame of wanting to to pass through the black hole. So he invented the energy system just to power the ship so that it could do the things he sure. wanted it to That's do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that ends up being that, yeah, he's going to try to fly through the black hole um, to which most of the rational people say that's crazy. But one of the people uh, is kind of into it. Um, so yeah, things are starting to get creepier and weirder. Um, the little sidekick robot is having disagreements with some of the robots that are running the ship. And it, soon enough, it comes to light that some of the robots on the ship are actually the original crew that he has turned into some sort of weird cyborg monsters. Well, he's, so basi- would... he's basically lobotomized them. Yeah, he's... he's... Yeah. Um... So at that point, they decide to try and leave. They are unsuccessful at leaving before being sucked into the black hole, which appears to have both heaven and hell inside of it. Is that how you guys interpreted that? (laughs) Um, I'll tell you how I interpreted it. This movie has the worst ending of any movie ever made. Shots fired. I, I cannot think of another movie that the ending's worse than this movie. Well, the actual ending of the movie is they come through the other side of the black hole and they're just drifting towards something, which I felt was unclear exactly where they were headed. I didn't know if that was supposed to be back to Earth or just some other planet. I assume they were setting up a sequel. That's my assumption. They thought this was going to be a huge success, and they were just trying to, like, the next movie will be them exploring this new planet. Yeah, so this movie's not a good movie. Oh. oh I don't know about that. This is, I was going to disagree with that. Oh, my God. This is a bad, this is a bad movie. Well, present your arguments, and then... Uh, so the, the most compelling characters who have the deepest scene are a, a trash can with an immovable face on it and a busted trash can with an immovable face on it. First of all. Uh, second of all, it, it, like everything that happens, nothing makes sense. Like the plot's so vague and 
weird. Like he wants them to watch him go through this black hole, which he could just do at any time. But instead, he has to unfold this weird master plan to give them just enough time to discover that he's enslaved his people. You know what I mean? It's the whole thing's bizarre. And then, like I said, I a bad ending on a movie makes a movie phenomenally worse. And and I I'm still calling it. I think this movie has the worst ending of any movie. I think that's a pretty strong statement. What's what's so bad about this ending? It's just it's like it's a nonsensical fucking weird bullshit ending it just it's like they didn't have a way to end it and they just went fuck it uh dude is in space and but now he's older and uh he sees his robot now he's in the robot and now he's king of hell and then there's the hallway from the wizard of oz with a ghost lady in it and then they come out the other side and maybe they're in another universe or maybe they're not and uh fuck it we're done no, I, like, I legit think that they were – I think they traveled through heaven and hell. That's how my interpretation of that ending. It is literally the black hole sucked them into a different existence. And because he was the bad guy, he was sent to hell. And any good guys that were dead would have gone to heaven and the rest of them move on to a, a – granted, move on to an ambiguous sort of new universe, but – I don't think it's that bad of an ending. I think it suited the movie. I... No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's the, so the... bad. It's so bad to me. I don't even know how to like argue for it because it's just this is bad. I think the biggest problem for me with this movie, and I obviously don't feel as negatively towards it as you do, but I just think they, I feel like they, they had this script for this movie about, an evil guy who was trying to convince people to fly into a black hole and they had a cast and that cast is like Anthony Perkins and fucking, uh, I don't know who, who else was in this movie. <laughs> Nobody that belongs in kids movies. Ernest Borgnine. Ernest Borgnine. Uh, Robert Forrester. Forrester. Robert Forrester. And you're like, okay, so you've got this cast together and you've got this plot and you're like, okay, who do we have lined up to, uh, who do we have lined up to direct it? And it's like, well, what's Ridley Scott doing? Oh, he's busy making Alien. Okay, well, what's uh, John Carpenter doing? Oh, he's making The Thing right now. Okay, so we'll just hire somebody else, and then we'll just make this into a kid's movie because that's the director we can get. <laughs> and it's like, uh, I don't know if this plot lends itself to a kid's movie. Well, yeah, but we'll put googly eyes on one of the robots. I don't know if that's enough. And then somebody in the background was like, googly eyes on two of the robots? And they're like, sold. Now it's a kid's movie. Let's change the aesthetic. Now, now just... here on page 57, it says that the uh, the lead robot uh, uses his horrible blender blade hand to go through a book and through a guy's chest. No, wait, is no, is no, no, that no. right? We already said googly eyes on two of the robots, though. Yeah, so, now yeah, it's, but, so now it's a kid's movie. <laughs> but this says this says sound effects of a blender arm going into a, a grown man's rib cage. Is that? Our, <laughs> we already put googly eyes on the second robot, so it's a kid's movie now. And we're not going to change sound effects just to change just because of that. <laughs> like, admittedly, like. Uh, this movie is a mashup of two ideas. 
it's somebody saw Star Wars and was like, we need a Disney version of that. And somebody else wanted to make this dark, you know, alien type epic movie in space. And nobody told him you can't do both at the same time. <laughs> it's just, it's like you can't, if this is a kid's movie, then you, those are robots. Those aren't people who have been lobotomized because <laughs> that's not what happens in a Disney children's movie. <laughs> I mean, the best I think the best part of this movie is that somebody saw this movie and then wrote Event Horizon. <laughs> For sure. I, say, I text I texted you guys and was like, so this is just Disney's Event Horizon, huh? And we were both like, yeah, what's what's your point? <laughs> it for sure is. Um, and it made me want to watch Event Horizon again. <laughs> but yeah, it's. It's a weird movie. I have to admit, like I enjoyed watching it the whole time, but I kept thinking, like I don't know what I'm watching. I don't know if this is like the aesthetic is that of a children's space adventure, <laughs> and yet the plot is that of a fucking creepy movie. And it's like if you wanted David Lynch to make your children's movie, why didn't you just hire David Lynch to make your children's? Movie? <laughs> yeah. I know. I, I I think one of my complaints too is that this. I don't think this movie's abnormally long. And fuck, this movie feels like it's two and a half hours long. It's it's paced like a seventies movie. Yeah. And children's movies are not meant to be paced like a seventies movie. Again, the aesthetic of a children's movie at that seventies pacing is problematic. Right. I don't know. I like I said. I, it's it's hard to explain because I I really love those nihilistic 70s sci-fi movies and that's essentially what this is but I don't I think it's the the attempted addition of the stuff to make it more accessible made it worse and and then that ending was so bad I don't I don't understand your problem with the ending necessarily but I I acknowledge like when you're doing this like nihilistic storyline of like he's enslaved his entire peoples and these other guys are now trapped on the ship with him and all this. And then we cut away to have the robots having a shooting contest just because they're in like the robot lounge playing video games together, essentially. And you're like, I don't know. It it is jarring to say the least. Right. And the robot, it seems like this robot is programmed to be good at everything and say clever witticisms. Like that's its entire programming and job that's bizarre it's super weird too because that robot is clearly a character who we're supposed to know and like and care about but then there's dialogue where they're like those other robots couldn't have thoughts and feelings you can't program a machine to have feelings and you're like but i think that one robot does though (laughs) like it's weird it's like they want to be able to justify shooting all the other robots without, like, okay, it's a kid's movie. If those are robots and they have no thoughts and feelings and you can just shoot them, it's fine. But we can't shoot the one that has emotions. It's weird. Right. And, like, Bob's death scene is probably the most touching moment of the entire film. Yeah. Poor Bob. <laughs> those two robots really were just Bob and what was the other one? Vincent? really just stood right out from the rest of the movie as like clearly these are the Disney editions so I, I typed into Google like what does the end of the black hole mean mm-hmm. and I'm trying to find something this headline 
It's very leading, and it says we never had an ending. <laughs> so I'm trying to find like the See, quote in this article. That makes sense. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I can't find it, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Other uh, other articles I saw sort of lended itself to um, that Maximilian and Reinhardt ended up ruling hell, and then they all went to heaven. And yeah. another one said they got returned to Earth, and the other two went to hell. So, yeah, my, like the two options, I, I I assumed like Maximilian, which is the robot, and Reinhardt, I think, was the evil scientist. Yeah. I, I assumed they were in hell, and I just didn't I didn't know for sure if our other characters went to heaven or if they came back to Earth or some third option. Yeah, but like they're in hell, but they also fuse together. And all the lobotomized people are in hell? Why are all the lobotomized people in hell? Like, what did they do? They let themselves get lobotomized. It's very irresponsible behavior when you think about it. Let <laughs> <laughs> that true silence. You guys are apparently, like, really worried about, like, the lobotomized element of our listener base revolting. Yeah. Um, I will say I thought the effects in this movie were done super well for it being 1979. Even the, one, the uh, sort of anti-gravity That's the one stuff. I was going to bring up. Yeah. I actually so, thought it looked, yeah, it looked really good, which is surprising for 70s. There are moments where it looks most, as good as anything else I've ever seen when it comes to zero-gravity stuff. Right. Most of the miniatures works looks really good. Mm-hmm. I would I would argue with the exception of at the end when the the meteor storm hits the ship, it's like all the miniatures look so good, and then that looks really bad. Like all of a sudden it gets cartoony and weird. Yeah, but yeah, it's I and mean, they were dealing with the technology they had at the time, right? Um, so it is there are issues with it, um, but for the most part, I think it looks great. I think it's the aesthetic for me is a bit problematic. It's too colorful and too bright and feels too cartoony but that's a decision that's not a limitation of the special effects yeah I don't know after having like a deep discussion of uh, Return to Oz I don't I guess I don't really have much to say about this one like I I enjoyed it I didn't have as many problems with it as Noah seems to Uh, this is the first time watch for me so I was happy to sort of get this checked off my list but, uh, yeah, I thought it was good. Yeah, I, again, my biggest thing with it would be it, it looks like a kid's movie. <laughs> and then if you start listening to the dialogue and following along with the plot, you're like, oh, well, this is contradicting itself. <laughs> but again, as having watched it without kids and not having to figure out how to explain to them why there was zombified human beings in it, um, <laughs> I enjoyed that element. Like, that... I thought it was an interesting plot twist that the robots were, some of the robots were actually the original uh, crew that had been lobotomized. I liked that. It's just a little weird for a Disney movie. I feel like if you had given this, this script and this cast to a different director, you could have gotten a very, very different film that would have been much darker and creepier and maybe better, but who knows? So Event Horizon. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's what I'm saying. Where was Larry Fishburne when you did him? We do get to see a, uh, I don't know, uh, they call it a funeral at sea here on Earth, but I guess 
a funeral in space where they just shoot your coffin out into space. Yep. <laughs> That's kind well, of fucked up for a kid's movie in the 70s. Exactly. I'm thinking, too, like, we've seen that in other things, but had we seen it in anything else in 1979? Like, because the end of Star Trek Two has that, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, that's years. That's, yeah. yeah, and I'm like, I can't think of an example of that prior to '79 where they did that. Again, I also can't think of why they would do that in a kids' movie. <laughs> it's it's just this weird era that Disney was trying to figure out how to cash in on the like, again, like kids on bikes movies that were kind of like adult friendly and kid friendly at the same time and Disney was trying to find their way into that market and it seems like they had a little trouble based on the two movies we're talking about today uh anything else no do you want to complain about the ending again or it's bad thanks for calling the midnight drive-in no one is here to take your call for more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Alright, what did everybody watch last week? Uh, I felt like watching some kids' movies. Because <laughs> <laughs> we didn't watch any for the podcast. Uh, so I rewatched uh, Never Ending Story, which is dope. Uh, and then I decided to push my luck and watch Never Ending Story 2, which is not. It's not a good. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen anything past the first one. Yeah, first it's it's just crazy that the first one's so good, and then just after that, not just not. I've never I've never even seen the first one. Oh, that's crazy. Do we have that on the list? No, but we, we probably have, should have to put that on there. Gotta make Noah Nothing. cry at some point. <laughs> yeah, I was getting ready to say just a two-hour show of us all crying. Our text. <laughs> Why? Is that the horse that dies? I've seen that clip. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I watched those two. They were all right. Uh, I rewatched The Wizard of Oz just because I figured if I was watching Return to Oz, I might as well go full bore. Did you watch Return to Oz first? Because Wizard of Oz must be such a letdown after that. It is. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I actually watched uh, the old 1980s stage performance of the Marvelous, Marvelous Land of Oz, which is available on YouTube if you guys haven't seen it. I sent you guys the link to it. Uh, I I, I kind of recommend it because that stuff's pretty cool. I mean, it's it's Broadway stuff. So if you if you don't like musical stage performances, you're probably not going to like it. But if you do and you like Wizard of Oz stuff, you might like it. Nice. Uh, and I think that was it. Yeah. Mm. Short week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what about you, Doug? What did you watch? Uh, a few things. Uh, first thing I watched, I think you recommended this to me, Brian, was a uh, good time. Oh yeah. Which is the? Uh, is it the? I want. I want to say their name right. The Safety Brothers. So That's it's it. Their movie. Um. Which. 
stars Robert Pattinson and I'd heard both that I should watch it for Robert Pattinson's performance and because the Safety brothers were uh, good filmmakers uh, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah both right um, I actually it's probably my favorite Robert Pattinson performance that I've ever seen and also my favorite Safety brothers movie um, I yeah. definitely preferred it to uh, the Adam Sandler one that we just talked about Uncut uh, Gems yeah yeah. Um, similar in tone in the fact that it's uh, kind of just a main character that just keeps doing dumb shit and getting himself deeper and deeper into trouble <laughs> yep. um, and making ridiculous mistakes um, this one was a little more action oriented though mm-hmm. and had a bit of a I'd say a lighter tone sure yeah um, Yeah. so for people who don't know what it's about basically it's a, a guy and his mentally handicapped brother rob a bank the mentally handicapped brother ends up in jail and the guy can get him out if he can get the bail money together but through a series of unfortunate events he ends up doing all sorts of crazy shit um that is not helping him along his way put it that way (laughs) at one point it, it to explain to people it's a definitely i would say it's a thriller movie but it has a plot line that involves him breaking his brother out of jail and hours later realizing he's rescued the wrong guy and he's just broken some other prisoner out of jail (laughs) (laughs) because there's a whole, there's a whole subplot where the brother and this other guy are both bandaged up. Um, so that sets him on a weird path of like trying to find drugs that this other guy had hidden before he got arrested and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. It's a whole quandary of events. Yeah. Um, definitely worth a watch I would say if you're a fan of that type of movie um, it's just I don't even know how to describe it it's just, yeah. the it's, performances are strong it's it's kind of a fun watch even though it's definitely not a like any kind of a comedy movie mm-hmm. yeah it's it's hard to explain but it's it's one of those you just have to be like you just have to watch it to understand and then as soon as people watch it they're like Oh, okay, yeah, I totally get it. Yeah, this makes perfect yeah. sense. This is fantastic, yeah. In some ways, it reminds me kind of like a Tarantino movie in a way, where it's just like mm-hmm. a bunch of shit just keeps happening. <laughs> and the whole time you're following along going, yeah, like one scene to another, it all makes sense. But then when you realize where you're at from where you started, you're like, how the hell did we get here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. and then, yeah, it's... it's uh, It's uh, what I would call like a light bulb movie for some people. Um, as far as like Robert Pattinson goes, like I've seen him in other movies outside of the Twilight movies or whatever. Yeah. And so I'm just like, eh, he's all right. I mean, he's nothing great, but I don't give him grief for being the guy from Twilight. But then you watch this and you're like, oh, okay. Holy fuck. Yeah. He's actually a really good actor. Okay. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, like he's just, his performance is so unique in this movie where it's like it's not it's just the character is just a fucking weird dude and he has to pull it off and it's like at one point when he's like he's hiding in those one people's houses and he's convinced them to let him and his what he thinks is his brother we we now know as the audience that it's not his brother but he at the time we believe it to be and they've he's convinced them to let him stay in their house overnight while they wait for a ride and all of a sudden, oh, a character comes out of the out of the bedroom, and he's sitting there with like his hair being dyed. He's like, "Oh, I found hair dye in your bathroom." I do weird things sometimes, and I'm like, "That is, 
That's just a fucking weird thing to do. And that is a hard character to portray on screen without it seeming fucked up. But he does a good job. So. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's a big recommend for me. I really enjoyed watching it. Big recommend Again, for me, too. Yeah, it's, it's it's a hard movie to describe, but I think uh, I think people would like it. So. Yeah, and I think if, they do. If you watched Uncut Gems and you're like, Okay, this is going a little too fast. I feel like this is a more of a slower movie, but it's still like probably way more engaging than some people were with Uncut Gems. Yeah, I found the I found the main character to be more likable in this than in Uncut Gems. Sure. I don't know. Like again, it's not necessarily fair to compare because they're different characters. But mm-hmm. this guy, there was a an element of him where it was like. Like, yeah, it starts with him robbing a bank and it starts in the opening scenes. We see him like pulling his mentally handicapped brother out of therapy. But I always felt like he was doing that stuff in his mind. He thought he was doing what was best for his brother. And things just kind of spiraled out of control. Which is, again, like, I don't agree with his decisions, but I I at least understood his his motivations. Yeah, it's tough to rationalize, but you kind of get it after a while in this movie of why he's going he's doing all he's doing yeah like like certainly the opening scenes where like the the handicapped brother and i don't i don't know if the guy's really handicapped that was playing the brother or not but he if not then it was a good performance um but he's in with like a psychiatrist and he's getting very upset by some of the questions that are being asked of him and stuff and so when robert pattinson's character breaks in and like pulls him out of that session and says fuck this i'm taking him home you understand the instinct to protect him, even though logically probably the therapy would be good in the long run and all that, mm-hmm. you know, you, you do see that a kind of a dumber guy like this would just want to make his brother happy in the minute and not watch him be upset by whatever was going on. Yeah. So I don't know. Anyways, that one's a big recommend. Uh, next movie I watched a 2001 movie called The Believer. Have you guys ever heard of this one? No. It's a, it is a drama film about a Jewish guy who has become a neo-Nazi. Oh. Yeah, I remember seeing you post about this. Yeah, I'd never heard yeah. of it before. And it's uh, it's Ryan Gosling is the lead guy in it. And it was, this is one of those movies where, like, way back in the day, I was flipping through, like, the movie channels, and I caught, like, one scene of it. And it's a scene where... Uh, Ryan Gosling and his other neo-Nazi buddies have been forced to do a like a therapy session as punishment for a crime they've committed, and they're they're being forced to go to like therapy with Holocaust survivors. And I watched that scene like the movie came out in one, so let's say in two, <laughs> and I went, "Holy shit! I really need to watch this whole movie." Uh, and then I never did until I stumbled across it on one of the streaming services this week, and I'm like, "Oh yeah." Um, really kind of difficult movie to watch at times because lots of scenes of Nazis spewing their nonsense at the camera and you're just like it's upsetting mm-hmm. and it gets more upsetting because they go to like a, a meeting at like a fascist organization and 
so it's, I think it's like Zane that is the head fascist guy, and they, it's all them sitting around having conversations about how like look we all know the Jews are terrible, but let's not play that up because we can help our political ambitions if we play that element of it down and we push the fascism element. And you're like, oh, oh shit, that happens too much in the real world, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, so kind of kind of hard to stomach watching it, but on the other hand, um. The performance, especially from Ryan Gosling, really well done. And it's when he starts to struggle with the, you know, his conflicting faiths, it's uh, very well performed. And the other thing that's I found personally very interesting about it is we get the flashbacks to him as like a young kid in Hebrew school or whatever it's called. I don't know if that's the right word, but and I start to think like. I almost become sympathetic with him because like a lot of the problems he had with his religion are like that's as a kid who was raised Roman Catholic yeah I I didn't like it when I was a kid and I asked questions and was told that you know you're not supposed to ask those questions those were all issues I had with it and I started to see things in him that I saw in myself and I'm like well good thing I didn't become a Nazi like (laughs) dodged a bullet there I guess it's it's super weird it's just it's one of those ones where I'm just like yeah like they they do it where it's it's like a sympathetic enough character where you can kind of see how he went down that path without ever condoning some of his worst behavior yeah and then yeah you can kind of understand how he got there even if you don't like the fact that he is there yeah yeah and I think they do a good job of kind of sprinkling in, like they make sure you see him at his worst early on, and then they sprinkle that stuff in later to kind of help you understand how we got there, without so that you're not overly sympathetic. Um, so it's it's well made in that sense. And then, you know, when it becomes about his internal struggle between his past and his current belief structures. Um, relies heavily on the performance to sell it which I think it does a good job so I mean I think when I posted something on Instagram I said like if you can stomach it it's actually really good performances and stuff but kind of hard to sit through so I don't know if people would be interested in that one or not yeah I'm definitely curious about yeah checking it out but I think it's one of those I'm like I'm gonna have to be in the mood to watch it which is a weird thing to say about a movie about Nazis no, I, I'm kind of the same way. Like the day I was watching it, I was, I was flipping through all of my normal stuff that I would watch, and I'm thinking, I, I, you know, I don't want to watch a slasher movie today or whatever, and you know, want something more serious and dark. And then you get to this, and you're like, well, it's, it's not, not getting darker than Nazis. So <laughs> if I'm gonna watch this. Today's the day. Um, and then my next movie, I went the exact opposite direction. Yeah. Um, I finally checked out Cutting Class, which is the uh, oh yeah, the it's the slasher movie whose primary Brad selling Pitt. point is Brad Pitt. Yeah, um, it's not good. If anyone's wondering, <laughs> shocked. It is. Yeah, it doesn't even have like good kills per se in it, and it has this weird subplot with so. Brad Pitt's girlfriend in the movie. Her dad is played by Martin Mull. Do you guys know who that guy is? I don't know oh, yeah. how to describe him. He was like on Roseanne. That's where I remember him from all the time. <laughs> but anyways, uh, like, Mr. Mom. Yeah. 
He's, he's in a lot of stuff from back then. For some reason in this movie, he plays like, he's the district attorney of the town that they're in, the nondescript suburban town from the 80s. And uh, he's also the girl's dad. And he gets shot with like a bow and arrow in like the opening scene of the movie. And then every now and again, we clip back to him and he's just still alive trying to get back to town to report the person who shot him. But it just keeps happening through the whole movie. <laughs> and I don't know why. And like minor spoiler, at the end, he finally makes it to like the highway and walks out on the highway and his own daughter runs him over while she's running away from the killer. It's, it's like, well, I don't know why that happened. I really don't. <laughs> but oh, well. So, yeah, I mean, if you're curious about a young Brad Pitt in a slasher movie, I picked up my VHS copy for a dollar in a thrift shop, so <laughs> it's probably worth a dollar. It's not worth much more than that. It didn't have a lot to offer, in my opinion. Um, what else did I watch? I don't know. I rewatched uh, Red State. Oh, Smith, yeah. Which... I haven't watched that in a long time. Yeah, I was the same way where I'm like, I've just like looked through my Blu-rays and I'm like, wait a minute. How come I haven't seen this in a while? And I started watching it and I'm just like, immediately it just started clicking back to me how good this movie is. I'm just like, you know, uh, if people haven't seen it, it's basically weird religious cult um, being raided by the ATF. And the, uh, it's the second half of the movie is literally just like a Waco style showdown between the ATF and this religious cult that is just completely relentless and it's so good and Michael Parks plays the main uh, pastor and we get to see him give several speeches to his groups and he's just so good in the role he's just fantastic he's basically playing like Fred Phelps kind of thing and he's just amazing and then uh, John Goodman is the ATF officer on the outside. And they finally have a showdown towards the end of the movie where they're staring face-to-face -face talking to each other. And you're just like, my God, it's like, this is what acting is. Watching these two go up, set off against each other. I just fucking love it. Wow. Um, action is fantastic. The dialogue's all good. The plot is pretty simple, so you don't need to worry about it. Just, yeah, I love that movie. Everyone should watch it. Yeah, I need to check it out again. I remember being kind of annoyed with the hubbub about it, and then, I don't well, know. Well, because there's, yeah. Even I was kind there's, of annoyed with Kevin Smith, the way they kind of uh, duped everybody at Sundance or whatever. He did that whole thing, and then he it was the first yeah. one he did where he took it out on the road himself and, like, yeah. charged people 50 bucks to watch a movie just so you get a Q&A with him after and stuff, mm -hmm. which at the time was annoying but now he does it with all his movies and now i'm mad when i have to watch movies in other ways um <laughs> yeah you so know. i've less i'm less annoyed with that and uh you know interested in definitely going back and maybe checking it out without all that stuff clouding my judgment over it yeah like i would say the first half of the movie i think there's like a great kind of tension to it where we're following like some of these other characters and they're lining up and getting themselves into the situations and we're cutting back constantly to this pastor doing his thing inside the church. And then once it becomes like this action thriller at the end, it's just, it's relentless action for like half an hour and it's great. And I just, 
yeah, I I forgot how much I loved it until I rewatched it. So everyone should probably watch it and or rewatch it. Nice to see him do like a full on horror movie again like that. Yeah, like Tusk was was good, but it was a little tongue in cheek. Yeah, and I'd like to see something that's just like straight up horror, like this one was. Yeah, this is. I mean, it's the least Kevin Smith of all Kevin Smith's movies. Mm-hmm. It almost feels like he didn't write it, which is weird because it's he clearly did write it, and he, like he wrote it and directed it. Um, obviously, he was able to hire a cinematographer that had. Uh, some different ideas than some of the other people he's worked <laughs> with in the past because there's just different camera shots and stuff that are well done but well I remember it's... him talking about when he was writing it that you know when he would come to like a crossroads and something he would purposely go the opposite direction than he normally would just yeah. to sort of make it not a Kevin Smith movie so I thought that was pretty interesting and that's it, it, it really doesn't feel like a Kevin Smith movie at all. There's like maybe one or two lines of dialogues that sound like they're uh, Kevin Smith dialogue, but they're dialogue that's delivered by teenagers, which are supposed to sound like Smith, Kevin Smith characters, you know? Um, and it ends, a lot of people have criticized the ending. It's kind of a weird twist ending, but it results in John Goodman giving this speech into the camera and it has this very Coen Brothers vibe to it. And I just, I love it, even though it's kind of out of nowhere and it's, some people have called it a bit of a cheat. I'm like, yeah, that's all fine, but get to watch John Goodman be John Goodman for a few minutes, like just staring into the camera, giving this speech and you're like, perfect. Why would you ever want a movie to not end that way? You have to rewatch it. Yeah. So uh, did I watch anything else? Probably. I don't know. Did you? <laughs> In sticking with our theme of sci-fi movies from 1979, I watched uh, Prophecy. You guys ever seen this one? Uh, no. It's on my to-watch list. But... Yeah. It's been on my to-watch list for a long time, and I, I just figured, what the heck, get it off of there. Um, basically, it's a, a doctor who, for some reason, is recruited by the EPA to help write a report about the impacts of a logging industry on this uh, Native American community. It's very complicated why he ends up there, but all that matters is he ends up being chased through the woods by a giant mutated bear. Um, That's just... And I I don't know what to tell you. If you want to watch a movie about a guy get chased through the woods by a giant mutated bear, this is one of those movies. And it's ridiculous, and the puppet doesn't look very good, and it's super fun to watch. <laughs> and there's there's a baby mutated bear that they're carrying around, which is clearly just a puppet, but who cares? It's awesome. <laughs> it's the only thing I would say is it's a shockingly close to a real movie. Like it's not <laughs> This is like a real it's, movie. It's not a full on exploitation movie. It's directed by John Frankenheimer, who is not exactly like an exploitation director. And it stars like Talia Shire. <laughs> who's surprisingly good in the role as like the doctor's wife who's uh this is weird subplot about how she's pregnant she doesn't want to tell the doctor she's pregnant and then whatever mutated you know plot device that's causing this bear to be mutated mutated could be affecting her baby as well and she's giving like a shockingly good performance 
<laughs> for a movie about a giant mutated bear. And then there's like a whole thing where it's like there's a, a Native American group that's protesting the logging company. And you're like, oh, I see. They're trying to sprinkle in like a little like, you know, politically correct type messaging in here. But it's 1979, so the head of the Native American groups is played by Armand Asante, who's <laughs> shot in the dark. I haven't, I didn't Google his ethnicity, but I don't think it's Native American. <laughs> One of those ambiguous <laughs> nationalities, yeah. so he can just play whatever. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Armand is a Native American name, traditionally speaking, but, you know, whatever. I guess it, it's a product of its time, to say the least. Um, but I had fun watching it. I've heard some people say it's not good, but I disagree with those people because giant mutated bear. That's the only reason, really, to watch it: giant mutated bear. Dude, I like. I kept thinking I should watch this, but it's been on my to watch list so long that I had forgotten why it was on there. <laughs> and then I'm like. So I Google image searched it and the bear showed up and I just went, fuck all this. And I hit play. And I'm like, yeah, we'll figure out, <laughs> figure out why I put it on the list later. I need to see this bear chasing people around. And I sure did. So, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think that's, yeah, that's it. That's all I watched this week. All right. Well, I saw a couple things, uh, nothing too deep worth talking about, but, uh, I went to the theater I saw Knives Out, finally. I've been wanting to see it since it came out. Uh, I thought it was okay. I don't know if it's worth sort of the amount of hype that it's getting. Like, I had a good time with it, but it wasn't anything, like, super spectacular. So. Okay. I've I've been assuming that it would be a letdown for me just because of the amount of hype. I'm like, I don't see how it could live up to that. That may have been my problem. It just came off as okay like i'm not disappointed that i saw it or anything it's just was not a giant revelation like it seems like a lot of people were making it out to be the answer fit perfectly like a donut hole in a donut but once we looked closer (laughs) at that donut hole it turned out it was not a donut hole it was in fact a smaller donut in the donut's hole with its own hole in it which needed to be filled with a donut hole (laughs) That is actual dialogue from the movie. <laughs> Maybe one of the reasons why I thought it was just okay. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. If you if you wanted to see it, I would say seek it out. But you know, temper your expectations, I guess. At least for me. Um, and then I watched, following up with uh, the black hole star, it had a Anthony Perkins in it. I watched a movie called Destroyer which also had Anthony Perkins in it where he plays the film director and they're filming in this prison where a, a inmate had been sent to the electric chair years earlier, but didn't die afterwards and then killed a bunch of people in the prison. So they shut the prison down and now they're filming a women in prison movie in the prison and suddenly people start getting killed off one by one. Uh, movie's not super great. <laughs> I know you're all shocked. 
It sounds so good when you say it like that. Uh, apparently, this came out during that run when we had like Shocker and the movie Prison and stuff like that, where it's just all people going to electric chair and then the electric chair not working as well as it was supposed to and yeah. shit going on. Uh, this one, the killer is played by, uh, what the fuck was that dude's name? Was it Lyle Azedo? Like he was a football player who was famous for apparently admitting that he used steroids all the time and he ended up dying of a brain tumor, which he swore up and down was caused by his steroid use, even though there was never any sort of connection made medically. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's it's not great. Apparently, Roddy McDowell was supposed to play the uh, director in this and then had to back out. So Anthony Perkins came in and filled in for him. He must have needed some rent or a new car or something because the script's not good. The movie's not very good. Yeah. It is what it is. You live and learn, I guess. <laughs> Sounds like you just gave up on this movie early. Pretty much. Yeah, fair enough. Like, it's all right. There's just nothing. Like, this is just a bunch of random shit. You're just like, why is why is this in this movie? This doesn't make any damn sense. So, eh, you could do worse. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. But for next week, we had so much fun with our Disney uh, movies that are for kids that probably shouldn't out, be for kids. Probably shouldn't be for kids. Decided to keep going. This one isn't nearly as uh, dark, I guess. We don't think. Yeah. Um, well, we're doing uh, Willow, and then we're teaming that up with Legend. I will say I don't think Legend was ever intended for, to be a kid's movie, but Willow definitely was. Last time I saw Legend, I was a little kid, so I can't comment on whether it was appropriate <laughs> for me to be watching it or not. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of both these movies, so it should be a very interesting uh, episode. I know Noah's super excited. Oh, yeah. We finally get some Warwick Davis on the show. That's important. Yeah, it's been a long time since the Leprechaun movies. It'll actually be fun to watch. uh, I might have to completely rewatch The Short Life again. I'm just excited to watch Warwick Davis and Tom Cruise in back-to-back movies to see which one's taller. So. <laughs> uh, I think Billy Barty's in both these movies. So bonus Someone theme. recently told bonus me theme. that he is. Yeah, bonus theme. Yeah. So that should be a lot of fun. I'm excited. And then with the announcement that they're doing a Willow sequel series, I believe, on Disney+. Plus, It's a good time to catch up. Yeah. So. Yeah, I was going to hold off on picking this movie from the list until you uh, until the series is ready to go, but yeah. we'll watch it now. It's fine. Like you won't rewatch it when it comes when the series comes up. I will say I'm going to, and then not have time, and then not get to it. <laughs> and yet, miraculously, that week I'll rewatch one of the Friday Thirteenth for no reason, and I'll have time for that. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seems about right. It's <sighs> um. Did anybody watch the new Candyman trailer today? I did not. What were your thoughts, Brian? Um, well, I, I don't know. I, I'm not, I don't think it looks bad. Let's start there. 
Uh, it's never a good way to start. It sounds no, like a good way to start, but it's not. I do find it interesting that uh, in real life, the Cabrini Green projects were torn down, and that whole neighborhood has been like gentrified. And it seems like they're going to comment on that in this movie, which I find is something that, interesting that they could do with it and kind of see what story aspects they come up with. Um, I don't know. Some of the stuff is interesting. I'm going to have to see how it plays out, but looks like they are coming up with a concept that if you say Candyman five times, he will come kill you. But the thing is, you can't even see him unless you're looking into a mirror. It seemed to imply something like that. Yeah. But I, I don't think it was really clear. So that could be really cool, or it could be the dumbest decision ever, but yeah. we won't know until we see more. I just I honestly felt watching the trailer, it felt too... Is clean? Is that the right word? Like yeah, it, Too glossy. Too glossy, everybody felt too pretty. I'm like, I don't know. But we'll see. It might be okay. But I just don't anticipate it having the. Uh, yeah. I suspect this will be one of those remakes where it's like, "Hey, they remade it!" And five years from now, if you say Candyman, everyone will immediately think of the original and not the remake, and they'll forget <laughs> that the remake exists. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's a bummer because this one's produced by Jordan Peele, which I was interested to see kind of what his input into the movie was, even though he wasn't directing it. It's always hard uh, with when people like are producers because you're like producer can mean so many different things depending on yeah. how hands-on they want to be yeah i think he was pretty hands-on with this one but i don't know we'll have to see i guess um so i don't know i mean i'm i'm probably definitely gonna go see it unless like another trailer comes out and it just shows Candyman literally pulling his pants down and taking his shit on the original Candyman poster but, but I doubt that that happens in the movie. Probably. I, I haven't heard one way or the other, but you know, I've, been, I've been trying to avoid spoilers. So. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'll check it out. I'm not holding out hope or anything, but no, you know, I think I, I was kind of like hopeful that the trailer would be really good. And when it came out, um, it's kind of like mediocre. I'm like, yeah, that's what I kind of anticipated. So, Go ahead and be um, mediocre. But I did, see, I did see a meme on Facebook that said, uh, you know, people saying like, "Oh, Candyman shouldn't be remade. It's a classic. Like this is garbage or whatever." Will also tell you that John Carpenter's The Thing is their favorite movie of all time. Yeah. So just like, yeah, all right, fair uh, point. I, I'm not anti remakes. I just, I don't know, do it well. And what that means can change from remake to remake, right? Sometimes you want to stay really truthful to the original. Sometimes you want to do a whole new take on it. If your movie's good enough, people will forgive it for being a remake. Yeah. So it's just, I, I always take a wait and see when it comes to these things. Yep. So we'll just have to see. We'll have to see if uh, it's going to be worth it or not. But definitely interested, at least. Sure. No thoughts. Uh, I will reserve judgment until it comes out. We'll see what happens. Are you not watching a trailer? You're just going in blind. Well, I, I feel like, especially with remakes and stuff, if I watch the trailer, I'm going to get really fucking opinionated. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and and then I'll go into it completely biased because I'll be like, ah, God damn it, fucking! <laughs> I want it to be Tony Todd and everything to look shitty. God damn it! I, we'll we'll see. Usually, my opinion of remakes is it's better to get as far away from the original as you can and maybe call it something else. So not not remake things. Is that what you're suggesting? Well, like, so The Thing is a remake of The Thing from Another World, and those two movies have fuck all to do with each other other than it's an alien. Mm-hmm. And it's in the north. Like, <laughs> Actually, one, one of them's in the north and one of them's in the south. Well, you know what I mean. They're cold. <laughs> <laughs> what 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 do you not want it to do? Like like what's a remake that you're like, oh, this was a horrible remake. Like they made the wrong decision, and I hope Candyman doesn't do that. Uh, I'm trying to think. What's the worst remake? Any it, pretty much any of the Black Christmas remakes? Maybe Psycho. Psycho was really bad. Psycho was problematic. And and once again, Psycho, the whole problem was they were trying to stay as close as they could and just add a couple little flourishes. And even that, you were like, oh, that was a fucking mistake. <laughs> like, you, yeah, but Hitchcock, no, no, Hitchcock, you are not. Walk the fuck away. <laughs> no, nobody should ever try a shot for shot remake of anything because what's the point? Mm-hmm. I would say uh, that they have to, to avoid keep, to keep their uh, copyrights. Disney. Yeah, OK. <laughs> My, I would say that what they should avoid uh, doing remakes is they got to avoid the, the Nightmare on Elm Street hole that you can fall into where you get so worried about you know okay we cast this guy that looks good in the part and all that kind of stuff and you're like but are you making a movie that has any real feel and emotion to it or are you taking something that works because it's kind of grindhousey and trying to gloss it over and that's my fear with Candyman is that it's a little too glossed over. And it's going to take away from the enjoyment of the original. But I'm still open to it. I'll still see it, but we'll see how it goes. I don't know. The fact that Peel's involved gives me a little bit of hope. Yeah. yeah. Tony Todd's in it. Right. I just don't know. We're not sure. He doesn't. It's, he's not listed as Candyman. Yeah. He's not listed as Candyman. His character does have a name. But I'm just interested to see if there's some swerve or something halfway through or something. Well, I'm curious, too. Like, what do you guys think of this weird new trend where it's like sometimes movies are sequels to things and we don't know that until we're watching them? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, I can enjoy that with certain projects, I guess. But the sequel, if you will. Yeah, sort of like how Split was with Unbreakable. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of a horribly... It was, it was a horribly kept secret, I guess, so I kind of knew going in that there was a distinct possibility that it was a sequel to Unbreakable. But, oh, see, um, I did not know that at all. Oh, really? Yeah. I found out... There's been rumors of something about it ever since Devil came out that they were talking about that one of the... It, and it might have been that character, too, that they were like, well, that's going to be the bad guy for uh, Unbreakable. But, 
turned out it was the other one. Kind of jealous, Doug. I would have loved to have just been surprised in the theater. Yeah, see, I wasn't surprised in the theater, but that's only because I got to the theater late and other people reviewing the movie spoiled it. Ah, oh, motherfuckers. Which is... Yeah, and it was, I wish I'd I wish I'd been completely shocked, but what do you do? What other sneakles are there? I'm trying to think of examples off the top of my head, and I know this is the thing that happens in modern filmmaking, <laughs> and I just can't think of examples of it. Like, I guess Prometheus kind of was, but they kind of said up front that it was set in yeah. the alien world, but it wasn't directly tied in. Apparently, if you see the Tom Cruise Mummy movie, it mm. implies that it might be a sequel to the Brendan Fraser movies. But I'm not going to see that, so it doesn't matter. Oh, really? That's what I've heard that that's the case, but I haven't seen it, and I don't plan to see it, so I don't want to comment too much. Yeah, it doesn't matter. That whole that whole thing got scrapped anyway. That whole, that whole Dark Universe thing that they've yeah. tried several times. Do you guys have any thoughts on The Invisible Man that comes out like the day after we record this? By the time people listen to this, it'll be out. Um, I like the trailers. I think it's interesting. I was never a huge fan of the original black and white ones. Um, I thought they were okay, but I wasn't like in love with them. I really so, like the first. I don't like the sequels as much. Yeah. So I'm interested in checking it out. Like I've said, I think the the trailers look interesting. But yeah, I, I I'm very curious to see if they can do a good like horror movie version of the Invisible Man. I haven't seen much about this current one. It was, it was called Hollow Man. Yeah, I like yeah. Hollow Man a lot. Well, I mean, I mean, it's literally <laughs> Hollow, Hollow Man's just a remake of the Invisible Man. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, trust me, that's on the list in my head of. 90s not re- really remakes remakes yeah it's uh and then of course well maybe we'll discuss it next September but of course there was Hollow Man 2 that shouldn't go unmentioned <laughs> I never saw that one was it any good I actually I remember enjoying it but I don't remember anything about it mm-hmm. and Christian Slater takes over the paint roll so really what else do you yeah Interesting. I think. Am I? I didn't like the tone of your voice. It makes me feel like I might be wrong. No, no. <laughs> but, I just didn't know that because I had no interest in seeing it. So. Yeah, it was like a directed video. There was a brief period in Slater's career where that's what he did. He did directed video sequels to things. It's right oh. before that whole directed video sequel thing um, kind of dried up. Yeah, 2006, Christian Slater. I I definitely saw it once, probably when it was new. Weird. I was going to say, the the remake, the one thing I'm not sure if I'm on board for is the whole abusive boyfriend angle thing. Mm -hmm. And that's, I just, I like the book. (laughs) I don't get why we got to not do that. Which is why the story's good, but I could be wrong and it could be awesome. So, yeah, I agree with your general sentiment, which is that when there's material out there that's good and you want to make a movie about it, just make a movie about it. Don't try to come up with an original idea that's tangentially related to the source material that you like. Right. It's a constant I mean, that- frustration for me. 
Yeah, the whole the the story is good because it's about a guy, and it's told from the perspective of the I don't quote fingers villain because he's not exactly evil, although he becomes evil, I suppose. You know, him just being driven insane by his own dissociation from himself and becoming invisible, you know what I mean? Like, once you can't see yourself and once you can't interact normally like that anymore, what it does to you. God damn, I gotta read that book again. It's been a long time. <laughs> combined, combined with dumping a bunch of random chemicals into your body and <laughs> having no... Yeah thought for the consequences of your actions. It's kind of got that science bad feel to it. <laughs> but I, <sighs> I, like I said, I just don't, I don't see the need for the extra angle of him already being a bad person before he becomes the invisible man, if that makes sense. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Is It's almost a better story if it's a, a normal human being who's corrupted by this process rather than having him already be kind of villainous. Right, right. And I think that, that's the whole reason why I like Hollow Man is I think Hollow Man does it well, although I think Hollow Man's ruined a little bit in the end whenever they kind of reveal the fact that clearly he was plotting it the entire time, like he was going to make himself invisible and then kill them all and, you know, sneak is that, away. Is that revealed that he was plotting that? Yeah they, they, yeah, they say it toward the end of the movie where they kind of figure out that he clearly – because everybody thought, oh, he went invisible and now he's going nuts. And it's they kind of reveal that, well, no, he kind of was planning on doing all this stuff before he became invisible. Uh, I got to rewatch Hollow Man now. So much for sleeping this week. Now I got to stay up and watch all these movies. <laughs> Kevin Bacon, motherfucker. <laughs> that needs to be a t-shirt. <laughs> That's the one t-shirt that if we were to invent it and put it out there, we might actually get Kevin Bacon like posting himself on Instagram wearing it. <laughs> Why have we done a Kevin Bacon month? We should do a Kevin Bacon month. <sighs> Bacon month? Way back when we were on the... Uh, when they did horror, etc., I recommended that we do a Kevin Bacon show, and we picked like four or five movies that he was in, and we did it. And unbeknownst to me, the no, it was we did it was six movies, and unbeknownst to me, the reason we had to do six is so that Ted could call it the Six Degrees of Kevin's Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> he edited it so we ended with the discussion about how you can kind of see his dick in Hollow Man. <laughs> <laughs> you can really see it in Wild Things, so. Yeah. Good times. As long as we don't have to watch Footloose, I'm good. No, now we have to watch Footloose. It's going yeah. on the list. Going on the list. I don't even like that movie, but I'll put nope. it on the list. I don't care. <laughs> it's worth it. I'm going to make you watch Footloose, and then we'll do that and compare and contrast it with the remake of Footloose. <laughs> I forgot that they made a remake of Footloose. They did. That's probably because it's exactly the type of remake I was complaining about where they just redo it. And it's like, why would you ever watch this when the original exists? I mean, and and why would you watch that? (laughs) (laughs) Because you want to watch Kevin Bacon Bacon, uh, dance in that abandoned factory or whatever the fuck it was. It's because you want to see John Lithgow curse them for dancing. (laughs) That fucking... (laughs) 
listen, that the angry dance scene in the barn is one of the most upsetting pieces of cinema that's ever it's the best been. thing ever. Angry dancing. It's just the dumbest, stupidest fucking thing. And just, I, I know you're just mad because you never choreographed an 11 minute dance. That's the problem you're upset about. <laughs> to get your frustrations out. Yes. Have you guys ever seen like a I hate YouTube it so thing? Much. Somebody edited like a YouTube clip like this is what it looks like in the real world, where if you take the soundtrack out and he's just dancing like that, but there's no music playing, <laughs> which is actually true to what's going on in the movie. <laughs> if you're just watching it it's fucking crazy I just if you get if you get angry and you need to like release stress and what you do is you go to some random place and dance angrily you need a fucking therapist because something is very very fucking wrong <laughs> I actually I actually think therapists would probably call that a pretty healthy way to deal with your problems Whatever. Then you need a new therapist because <laughs> that therapist is wrong. Keep, keep going to therapists and one of, until one of them tells you to do heroin. That's the one you want to listen to. Right. 20 cc's of black tar bang bang right in your veins. <laughs> That's the way real people deal with their problems. <laughs> Holy shit. I guess that's where we're ending the show, Brian. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) Glorious. I I don't think I knew that you hated uh, Footloose until just now. (laughs) Just some fucking, the the entire, the entire premise of that movie, everything about it's fucking stupid. What's, what's dumb? There's a small town where the local pastor has the authority to ban dancing because his son died in a car wreck. I think the children rise in revolt because the new kid in town likes to stress dance in parts. <laughs> he also plays chicken on a tractor at one point. I haven't seen that movie in a while, but that's pretty much what I remember from it. He teaches Chris Penn how to dance properly. That's correct. I remember that being a whole thing in the 80s where they were like, you're like a loser if you don't know how to dance, and part of your life goal should be to learn how to dance. And then when I got to become a teenager, I'm like, I don't know how to dance. I don't want to know how to dance. I'm not going to let one of my friends know how to dance. That's when you became John Lithgow and you tried to ban dancing. I never tried to ban dancing. Tried You're to like drink a- in parking lots while the people were dancing. Like I can't do it. That's no one child. I don't believe I ever said that. Yeah. Who knows though? <sighs> I'd say that then somebody has like grainy cell phone footage of me at a high school dance yelling. <laughs> Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.